That's how it often is with Jesus. Have you ever thought about this? Well, we have to expect the unexpected with Jesus. Why? Is it because he wants to keep us off kilter? Is it because Jesus loves doing the unexpected? No, it's not that. Why do we have to expect the unexpected with Jesus? Because we have the wrong expectations for him. So we come to Jesus and Jesus, we got questions. And Jesus says, I got questions for you. We say, Jesus, I got needs that you got to meet. And Jesus says, no, I got a different need, need that I'm going to meet for you. So Jesus says, the truth is, got expectations for Easter. You've got the wrong Easter. He doesn't actually want you to have a happy Easter. You know what he wants you to have? He wants you to have a real one. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. Now it's my turn. The Lord is risen. Hallelujah. We've got to talk about this now. The church begins this conversation this Easter season by looking at teachings over the season of Easter from the book of Revelation. And we're going to begin that this morning by starting at the beginning of the book of Revelation. This is a vision of the risen Christ. John the Apostle writes this, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and, and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind, behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, 
and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now... Look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death in Hades. This is God's word. I don't know how you're going to feel about this. To be honest, I'm not even sure how I feel about this. I mean, what do, what, do, what do we call this? Should we call this Jesus' little Easter Sunday surprise? There it is. You can picture it. John has this picture. There it is. Here's, here's Jesus. He sneaks up behind John with his trumpet-like voice. He goes, burr, 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 burr. And John just about jumps out of his skin. Makes you wonder if it was really a very happy Easter for the guy. These kind of surprises, these kind of sneak-ups on loved ones, they can be dangerous. I tell my wife, don't do this for me on my birthday. It's not going to go well. I have a twin brother. He told me a story, true story. Before he lived in New York City, his then fiance took a business trip. So he thought it would be really cool to propose to her in Central Park. He goes into Central Park, he hides in a large shrub. Great idea, right? Wanted a surprise her. Scared everybody. The locals called the NYPD. The NYP shows up, says, Sir, why don't you step out of the shrub? <laughs> These things, they don't always go well. What do you make of this? Jesus seems to sneak up behind John. John flips around, scares him half to death. It's almost like Jesus didn't want him to have a happy Easter at all. You know, it would be one thing if it was a joke, right? Jesus sneaks up, burr, 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 turns around. It's me, John! Come in for a hug. It's <laughs> not how it went. John turns around, and when he turns around, now he's not just scared out of his mind. Now he's actually scared all the way to death. 
turns around and he sees one like a son of man. He's standing among these golden lampstands. He's got this robe. It goes down to his feet. He's got this golden sash across his chest. And then there were his eyes, his eyes, his eyes, his eyes. They were like fires. When John looked at them, it was like he was peering into his soul. No, it was like they were tractor beams. They were drawing him in to infinity. It was too much. And then, and then there was his feet. Molten bronze. The kind of feet, you know, like if they got a hold of you, like with a kick, they'd kick you not just onto the next continent, they'd kick you into the next galaxy. But they weren't just for that, they were certain, they were strong, like this was his place, his kingdom, his time, his, everything, his. And then there was his mouth, there was a sword and it was a double-edged sword, it could cut anything like crazy. And then there was his face, there was his face, there was his face, John could barely find words for it, it was his face, it was like staring at the sun at the impossible distance of just ten feet. It was melting him. And so John falls down as though dead. His circuits were blown. Now we can learn a lot of things from this. But for sure, we can learn this much. Jesus was not interested in helping John have a happy Easter. This can be a shock to us. Many of us, we've spent many years of our lives being trained in the ways of happy Easter's. You know how it goes. You come to church, it's happy Easter. You send a card, it's happy Easter. You put on the sundresses, you put on the sundresses, the sun is out, we're so happy about it, the sun is out, it's not raining like they thought it might. And then we come to church, and even if we don't think about it, we have these expectations. We come to church, we want to have a decent choir, and we want to hear a decent sermon, and plus, we want to be able to walk out and have an egg bake with a little bit of cheddar on top, and plus, hopefully, one of those chicks with a granular yellow sugar that the rest of the year we think are kind of gross. <laughs> we have these expectations. And then Jesus shows up. And he puts John unconscious before you. And you're kind of shocked. She wasn't expecting this on Easter. It's supposed to be happy. I want to talk about that, the shock. You know, Jesus, we could blame him for this. Jesus, <laughs> why you got to do this? Sneak up from behind us like this. You know what the truth is? Jesus didn't sneak up on John. That's not what it was. John was facing the wrong direction. 
That's how it often is with Jesus. Have you ever thought about this? Well, we have to expect the unexpected with Jesus. Why? Is it because he wants to keep us off kilter? Is it because Jesus loves doing the unexpected? No, it's not that. Why do we have to expect the unexpected with Jesus? Because we have the wrong expectations for him. So we come to Jesus and Jesus, we got questions. And Jesus says, I got questions for you. We say, Jesus, I got needs that you got to meet. And Jesus says, no, I got a different need that I'm going to meet for you. And so Jesus has to flip us around. You got expectations for Easter. You got the wrong Easter in mind. He doesn't actually want you to have a happy Easter. You know what he wants you to have? He wants you to have a real one. An Easter where you actually stop and consider the reality that Jesus is back alive. If you do it right, you're not going to be happy right away. The truth is that before Easter, reality is ever something that's happy in your life. It's first a problem. Let me underline that for you biblically. Historically, we know what the first Easter sermon was. It was a big Easter sermon. Peter the Apostle gets up, he preaches the very first Easter sermon. He makes this claim, Jesus is alive. He makes the claim. You want to guess how the people responded? Oh, I know how they responded, Pastor. I know exactly how they responded. That's when they had their first Easter egg hunt. Oh, no. Do you know what everybody said? Hallelujah! That's what they said, Pastor. They said, Hallelujah! No, they didn't. You know what they said? They said, Oh, no. They said, oh no. They said, oh no, because now they knew they had him wrong. Jesus said, I'm God, I'm the center of your life. They said, no, you're not. They got him wrong. And now he was back. And so they said, oh no. Easter before it's ever a solution. It's your problem. Because you know what it means? Do you know what it means? Do you know what it means? It means this, that a man went into the grave and he came back alive. And do you know what that means? It means that this world that you think is so tame and you can do whatever you want in it is not tame at all. And that there are powers in this world that can be unleashed on you in a moment's notice that when you come face to face with them will have you unconscious like John. I'm trying to make you face it. Turn you around. That's what I'm trying to do. I don't want it to happen to you later. 
John describes this for us. He says, everybody's going to have to face it. Whether you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead or not, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to face him. He's going to come in the clouds. That's what he said. It's what he just said. Sometimes I think we get that backwards. We think that our beliefs actually constitute reality when sometimes they do no such thing. Our beliefs are just beliefs. They can be right or they can be wrong. That's all they are. I want you to think about that. As a little boy, I used to think all wrong about it. I used to think that my beliefs constituted reality. I'd ask myself questions like this. If a tree falls in a forest and I'm not there to hear it, did it fall? Of course it did. It doesn't matter whether I believe it or not, whether I was there or not, of course it did. Reality is not dependent upon me or my beliefs. It's not. Reality is reality. I, I can believe, I can believe that the world is flat and it's got four corners and if I sail far enough, I'll, far enough, I'll fall off the edge. And you know what's still going to happen? I'm going to bump into Africa. I can believe that gravity isn't a thing. I can climb up on top of a building. I can jump off. And you know what's still going to happen? The sidewalk is going to hurt. And I can believe that Jesus didn't actually rise. And it doesn't matter. He still did. And I'm still going to meet him one day. So Jesus turns us around. You got to turn around. Golden sash. Blazing eyes. Flashing sword for a mouth. Feet like bronze. We're going to see him. We're going to meet him. You got to turn around. You got to have so much more today than a happy Easter. So much more than the chocolate bunnies. So much more than the sundresses. So much more than the choir. You got to turn around. What if you let me help you do that for a second? What if I was a different kind of pastor today? You've all experienced the pastor, probably, the kind of pastor who's well-intentioned. You come to church and the pastor pleads with you, please, please, please today, will you see the relevance of Jesus in your life? And he's just hoping that you'll come back next week. But what if I did something else? What if I helped you turn around? What if I helped you actually contemplate the reality that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? What if, what if I told you something like, you should turn it around? What if the principal thing today wasn't you making a judgment about Jesus, whether he's relevant for your life or not, whether you should engage in his church or not? What if it wasn't about that? What if it wasn't about any of that? What if you figured it out? What if you turned around? What if you realized that Jesus has actually risen from the dead? And that's true. And therefore, it doesn't matter, in a sense, what you think of Jesus. You know what matters? What he thinks 
of you. Not whether you think he's relevant for your life or not, but whether you are relevant to him. What if I didn't plead for you to see Jesus? What if you pled to Jesus yourself today? See, because when you see Jesus like this, here's the truth. When you see Jesus and his power and his glory and his authority, then counterintuitively, you have opened yourself up to the possibility of having the best Easter ever. Because when you get past the egg bakes and the choir and the sundresses, and instead you see blazing eyes and a mouth with a sword and blazing molten bronze feet, then you can have the kind of Easter that Christians have always had. The kind where Mary shows up at the tomb and she's crying her eyes out and it's so crazy and mind-blowing that she can't even tell it's Jesus. The kind where Peter shows up and Peter is just wondering at the empty tomb. The kind that so blows the circuits in your brains that when, that when the women show up and they see and they hear the news that Jesus is alive, that, that instead of getting happy right away, they're just plain scared. When you get past having a happy Easter, suddenly you have opened yourself up to the possibility of having the more critical Easter. A holy one. A one where you have stopped and considered what it means that Jesus is alive. That's what happened to John. John's laying there. He's unconscious, it seems, before Jesus' his circuits are blown. He'd seen the power, the glory, the authority of this Jesus who defeats death. And then Jesus, John says, comes to him and he takes his right hand and he presses it into John's back and he says to him, Don't be afraid. And everything changed. Everything changed. Oh, that must have been quite the moment for John. It must have been quite the moment for John. John remembers this, this detail, this little detail in his mind, this beautiful detail that he remembers that Jesus took his right hand. His, he felt the thumb. He felt the forefinger. He felt the pinky. It presses into his back. He remembers Jesus touching him on his back with his right hand. And it changed him. I wish I could bring you into this a little bit better than I think I can. I, it's like a, a preaching moment where you just, man, I wish I could do this better. 
How do babies learn what love is? Isn't it through touch? Adults, we don't get over it. We don't. There's been a lot of change in my life recently, a lot of change. Everything's changing for me. I'm talking to my wife about it. Everything's changing, I tell her. She comes to me. It's just one simple act. She takes her hand. She laces it through mine. She didn't have to say anything. Everything was changing, I had been saying. And she said back, but not me. Touch changes everything. Jesus comes to John. He places his right hand on John's back. And everything changed. Because right there in that moment, John knew the gospel. That Jesus is not just God. He is true man. That Jesus is not just pure power, but that Jesus is also true love. That Jesus is not going to look at him with his lava eyes to discern everything that's wrong for him, but that instead he's got his eyes trained on everything that threatens him. That, that Jesus has those bronze feet, not to kick him into the next galaxy, but to provide for him a foundation for life. That Jesus has that white wool hair that's smarter than everything on the internet. Not to outsmart him, but to anticipate every contingency, every need, every possible thing for John so that he would get John finally home to life with him. And all it took was a touch. John, I'm not against you. Do you feel my right hand? I'm behind you. Don't be afraid. John, do you know who I am? I am the first and the last. I was dead. Now I'm alive. Don't you see, John, that I hold the keys to death and Hades? With somebody behind you like that, I hesitate to explain any of this to you. Explanations can wreck it, kind of like telling the punchline to a joke and then explaining it. I'll risk it. This can perform in your life like an argument from greater to lesser. If Jesus holds the key to death and Hades and everything that comes after this life, don't you see that he holds every other key too? 
And that when he is for you, what do you have to be afraid of? Can change everything for you. Sometimes Christians, they make their list. They come to Easter, they make their list. Here are the things that I don't have to be afraid of anymore. I saw one list that it was a list of five. The list went like this. You don't have to be afraid anymore that you don't know the truth. That's number one. Here is a man who predicted both his death and resurrection. Who does that? Only somebody who knows the truth. You don't have to be afraid you don't know the truth anymore because you know Jesus and his teachings and he's true. Number two, you don't have to be afraid of God. God so loved the world, right? And Jesus died so that you will live Number three, you don't have to be afraid to die. You thought that death was a period. It's not a period. It's a comma at most. It's the beginning of a new life. Jesus shows you that. Number four, you don't have to be afraid that your needs won't be met. Jesus gave you eternal salvation. He can take care of everything else too. You don't have to be afraid that your needs are going to be, not, aren't going to be met. They're going to be met. Number five. You don't have to be afraid you're not going to have a good life. Of course you're going to have a good life under God's hand. Jesus has taken care of your past. He's in your present. He's taken care of your future. He's forgiven your past. He's given you purpose in the present. He's given you hope by his promises in the future. You don't have to be afraid of anything. So I've taken a risk and I've explained it to you. But you know what I really, really, really want for you today? I want to leave you with this. I hope you have today something so much more than a happy Easter. I want you to have a holy one where you have seen the power of the risen Christ. His eyes, his feet, his wisdom, his love. I want you to sense his right hand on your back. And I want you to know what it's like to have somebody like that behind you. Words fail. Illustrations do too. I think of how safe I felt when I had my big brother who was willing to take on the bullies in the neighborhood behind me. How safe, secure would you feel if you had like a battalion of Marines who were there just to protect you? But it's trite, all of it. It's trite give you those illustrations, I feel like I'm giving you Easter candy when I should be giving you an Easter ham. So how about this? We do away with the sundresses and we look at the sun. There he is. God himself, risen from the dead, 
his hand on your back. What's that like for you? That's Easter. You ready, church? The Lord is risen. Hallelujah.